You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for, because this is for the last. This is Reform Raza. My name is Martin Velasquez alongside with my brothers. This is Justin Corona. And what up, everybody? This is Brother Vic. And you are now in the mix. Don't forget to hit us up, reformraza.com. With any questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes, you can hit us up. Right there Don't forget to follow us On Instagram And on Facebook Don't forget to leave A five star review On Apple Podcast Or wherever You are listening to Whatever podcast Streaming platform You are listening to Make sure to Subscribe Give that Five star Share Like Comment Do all that Fun stuff Because Because we say so <laughs> Because I'm not Don't be boring Like our stuff Comment our stuff <laughs> Come interact, on, interact. We want to interact with y'all. <laughs> interact. Simon. <laughs> so uh, don't forget also to hit up redeemprojectradio.com. Um, 24-7 Christian hip-hop podcast. And on Sunday, sermons from urban pastors who are doing it big in the community. Uh, we highlight them on Sunday. So go ahead and hit up redeemprojectradio.com. Anytime, whether it's two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, midnight, six o'clock, three o'clock p.m., whatever it is, go ahead and hit that up. While you're working that whole eight-hour shift, just leave, just leave it playing, and and bump it loud so your coworkers can listen to it too. Yeah, you're missing out if you're not you're not on that radio because I've been listening to it all day, and then I get random people coming in. They've been listening to the to the tracks, and they, they start bobbing their head. I'm like, yeah, Redeem Project Radio, go check it out. Yeah, there you go, bro. Put it in work. Hey, that, that should be a, a little lingo. We got Urban Sermons. Urban Sermons. E, that's a sticker right there by Charles Spurgeon. No, no, no. <laughs> we don't we don't got that but urban, Sundays. urban sermons hey if i see that hashtag or anywhere i'm gonna have to charge y'all because you heard it you heard it here first and then i'm gonna have to charge you because i'm the one that said that <laughs> hey teamwork teamwork but yeah man so today 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 uh we're gonna get it in today's today we're gonna talk about something that people I think it's pretty common for people to hear these kind of phrases and then really not question it, right? We're going to be talking about cliche statements, cheesy, pure flick statements, you know what I mean? Um, I've never heard it in a pure flick, so I've only heard it in... I thought we get those shots at pure flicks. Always. We need to get gunshots for the next I season. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I use. <laughs> but yeah, you know, if you've been along, you know, Christianity long enough, you're going to hear a couple phrases that are going to keep up coming up and you're going to take it in and you're not going to really think about it. And you're going to be like, oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? I'm talking about some certain phrases like let go and let God or let God and let go. Whatever. It comes you don't even first. know. <laughs> I don't even know. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. You're going to think about, man, that's true, man. I need to let go and let God in. And be like, man, that makes sense. 
But do we have any scriptural backgrounds for some of these phrases? Like the Christian uh, American mainstream culture has gone so uh, watered down that we say things that we don't even think about. And it's like, come on, bro. Like, is it, do we have scriptural background for some of the things that we say? Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Cool. And then maybe we can even add, what is its accuracy? How yeah. potent is this for us as a believer? Should we even take this in? Yeah, no, that's true. Because although some phrases may sound cheesy, some of them actually have some truth to them. You know? Yeah. Like twist churros, not scripture. Facts. <laughs> just truth right there man he just called it cheesy i, w- I wouldn't call it cheesy i would it's call sweet. it sweet i'll call it <laughs> sweet, sweet and sugary it's sweet you know and sugary and then you got those churros with the filling inside like the strawberry oh oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man so what are some of the phrases that we're going to be talking about god helps those who only help themselves wow now think think about what it's saying right here real quick God only helps those mm. who help themselves. Preach it, preacher. I'm about to get all up in here right now. What it's saying is that God has to see you doing something first in order for him to help you. And if I'm not mistaken, that is some sort of works-based salvation. Yeah, I was going to say that right away. It sounds like a burden or, or kind of get the work for God to help you out. No grace, nothing at all. It's kind of like earning God's help. Yeah. So how does James, James, the scripture in James, how does, how does, how can we get that from, from that scripture, right? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's the question that we're going to ask and that we're going to answer. Does this... Is this phrase is that is that what it's talking about? Can we can we get that? Give, can we give biblical uh, background for only God helps those who who help themselves? Because I think you would have to work really hard to do that. Yeah. And and, and actually in the scriptures you can see the other being true, where God helps those who can't help themselves. Yes, exactly. Uh, and 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 in this instant. Uh, we could see different examples of um, that, like for example, in Luke 18, uh, verse 9, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with content. These parables, all in, in this specific parable that Jesus was talking about, was the Pharisee and the tax collector. He was in a way shining a bad light on those who who consider themselves self-righteous. And that would be, in this statement, those who help themselves, right? The ones who will do their part to please God and God will help them. Um, and in fact, we see the opposite being more true in the Gospels, where we see Christ going out of his way to help those who can't help themselves going out of his way to to really help the tax collector or helping out um was it the lame man who couldn't walk the, mm-hmm. the blind beggar there you go the blind beggar who didn't even know who he was 
And so we see more examples of, of Jesus actually helping those who aren't able to help themselves. I mean, if we really hold it to Ephesians or even just told depravity in itself, we already see in the baseline of our of our foundation as in, in the Gospels is that we couldn't help ourselves at all. And there was and that was the only reason and the very necessary reason why Jesus had to do what he had to do, because there was no way for any man to achieve righteousness. Mm-mm-mm. The perfect scripture for this Romans chapter five, verse six in the New American Standard. It says, while we were while we were still helpless mm-hmm. at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. And now let's go back to James. Because uh-huh. here's what scripture says. All right. Mm-hmm. God only, or this is not what scripture says, but the cliche is God only helps those who helps, who helps themselves, which we just saw right there with the, with the scripture of Romans that that is not true at all. That at a time when our weakness, at a time we were helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. God destroyed his own love toward us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But now let's read this part in the book of James. Because really what James is talking about is not someone who is who uh who is helpless who 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 is who is coming who doesn't know god this is actually talking about someone who knows god and is willing willingly being rebellious having known who god is having tasted the grace of god i mean james if you know james he says it straight out james chapter 4 verse 4 you adulterous people exclamation point point don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? So now this is talking, obviously James is talking to the church, uh, James chapter one to, to the to, 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 the, to the Christians, to those who are being persecuted, to the, those who are dispersed. He's talking to the church right now. And he's actually rebuking them, telling them, you adulterous people, don't you know that you're playing games with God, basically? And so what, what scripture tells us right here is basically repent of your sins. Because he says, uh, verse 6, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord and he will exalt you. This is actually talking about someone who knows who God is, who's in the wrong. He's, he's basically doing evil, but he's basically saying, repent clean your hands, wash your hands. You were, you were washed, you were cleansed, but now he's calling them you adulterous people. Don't you know that you're playing games with God? Therefore draw near to God. In other words, repent, submit to God Mm, so so that he may exalt you in due time. So it's more of a calling back, like come back. Basically, type of call so instead of a you go forward towards God. It's almost like, it's almost like a rebuke thing. It's a rebuke. Yeah. yeah. Basically, you're fall you're, you're you're not even in the things of God. Turn back from cleanse your hands, you filthy sinners. I mean, how, <laughs> how straight up can James get? Yeah. But he's basically talking about repent. Basically, repent of your repent of your wicked ways and draw back to God. Man, that's a perfect little sign to put. You know how like 
you could go to like Hobby Lobby and you get these signs for your home, right? You know, these Christian like scriptures and sayings like, this is a perfect one to put in your bathroom. <laughs> Wash your hands, you filthy sinners. <laughs> Especially with COVID, dude. That, that's the scripture of COVID. Wash your hands, you filthy sinners. But that's what I was going to say. When COVID first hit, everybody was, was, was quoting the scripture. Wash your hands, you filthy sinners. <laughs> that's funny. And I think to just to simplify it, Jesus put it like this. He did not come for the righteous. He did not mm. come for those who are really good, for those who are able to help themselves, right? He came to call sinners to repentance. He came to call those, who, as you mentioned in Romans, who are not, are not able to help themselves. He came to call them to repentance so yeah. that he can come in and give them new life. So so I guess you would say the, the more accurate version of that saying would be God only helps those who can't help themselves. Amen. And that and that's something that KB put in one of his songs, Drowning, I believe. He says that in there as well. That's that's the version of it I first heard. I never heard the fir- the original um, God helps those who can't who can help themselves. I've never heard that, but I've always heard the opposite one. Mm. Cool. Amen. One down. Let's move on to the next one. God won't give you more than you can handle dang this is like that self-motivation <laughs> that type of saying that like you use for like people who are like down and out mm-hmm. who are like maybe struggling not not even so much temptation but they feel like a weight a burden over themselves and and this is that type of saying that that people would use like god won't give you more than you can handle but yet we see people who burn themselves out because they've been given too much. <laughs> yeah. And I think this one comes from a, from scripture, right? Where it says, God will not allow you to be tempted more than you are able yeah. to bear. But with the temptation, he will provide an escape. So the scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And that says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it now temptation and trials are two different things (laughs) temptation is a lure to fulfill our evil desire to fulfill fleshly desires within our bodies it is only that a lure it is not an action it's something that is presented before us and we have been given an option to take the bait or to flee from it, right? So in this instance and within this context of 1 Corinthians, um, it is saying that no temptation has been given to you that's not already common to temptation that every other person has ever faced. But the temptation that we do face, there will God will always provide a way of escape. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I could look back to times that I have been tempted and that I have given into sin. And I could always think back and say, if I would have done this, if I would have done that, I would not be in that situation. There is always a way of escape. Now, this is just pertaining to, the, to temptation. Trials, though, is a different story. Trials are something that the Lord uses because it is very necessary in the building of our character in 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 uh christianity he uses trials purposely 
that 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 he will give us more than we could bear that we may lie all the more on the strength of christ exactly and we can see scriptural evidence for this right mm-hmm. we see that he gave job a whole lot of stuff that he was not able to bear like he couldn't so he had to rely on the strength of god um we see this even um in gideon he gave them a whole army to face right he wasn't able to to handle that but yet god was able to show him that he needed to rely on him on god to win I mean, right. once you really think about it, every person in the Bible went through stuff that they can't handle. Yeah. <laughs> every single... Ain't nobody was saying, God won't give me more than I can handle. I can do this. <laughs> ain't nobody was saying that. In fact, throughout all scripture, everybody was clinging on to God and saying, God, I don't know, but I'm going to trust you. Moses. <laughs> Moses. I mean, a- Abraham. Uh, every, every, everybody in the Bible... At some point, went through, through a time where it said, you know what? I can't handle it. I'm at the point that I'm giving up. And it's at that point when they cried out to God. Even even David, because um, he wouldn't listen to that, that the way out of the temptation. Even David, when he gave in to his temptation, he just said, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't do this, and he, mm-hmm. and he and he falls onto his knees because he he found out that about about his his unborn son that he was that he was gonna die basically, and he fell down to his knees and and, and mourned for that. But throughout every portion, every scripture, there's gonna be different examples of every single person in the Bible that went through something that they could not handle, in the in the the outcome was that they got on their knees and cried out to God because God will give give us strength. But ain't, I'm telling you, ain't nobody was saying God won't give me more than can handle. I, I, be sure of that. No, ain't nobody was saying that. <laughs> and then they, they fell on their knees, and then God gave them the strength to endure. But if they hadn't gotten on their knees, or they haven't cried out to God, they would be consumed in their situation. Mm-hmm. And we see that even, you know, today, just, you know, our experience in this life. We go through tragedies, man. We go through hard stuff, especially with this whole COVID thing, man. We have believers who are losing family members to, to this disease. And how do you bear the loss of a loved one? Like, you, you, within yourself, you do not have the strength to endure and to bear with it. But it's in the calling out to God is when He gives us the strength to endure. And that's more accurate to say, right? Yeah, and then even in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, this is Paul, and he's going on to talk about his thorn, and he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of christ may rest upon me and and so we see here that not only did paul just bring a a a new way of thinking that that we should boast in our weaknesses right so when trials come and they're they're hard and they're they're bearing heavy, we should boast in it. Why? Because it is in our weakness that Christ is made all the more stronger in, in and through our lives. 
but also too we also see here that it is God who allowed this thorn in the flesh for Paul to build his character that it would keep him from being conceited that it would keep him from being proud but instead that it would humble him and keep him humble because here Paul just expressed about how he had seen in a vision the the I believe it was the seventh heaven or you know the the different heaven and that he's seen different things and he speaks in tongues on his own but all the more God does this to to help keep Paul in check that his grace that God's grace will be all the more sufficient for Paul in his time of troubles and in the same way that we go through trials for our character in Christ and 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 we go through these things so that we can boast in God and then we can rely because why because his grace is all the more sufficient through any of our trials we've seen it in Christ that the grace of God even though he is God the grace of God kept him moving forward to the cross and at the same time we know that our trials aren't for nothing they're not just vanity God's not just allowing trials to hit our lives just so he can laugh and, and just watch us uh, to see if we could stand through it no there is a purpose for every trial for one to build us up and then two Paul goes on to mention I believe in uh, Philippians or, or yeah I believe it's in Philippians where he goes on to mention that that the helper comforts us in our times of trouble and that the comfort to which he comforted us we are able to comfort others with so even in our times of troubles when God is all the more present and, and is all the more strong in our weakness, when that trial has passed, we can use that experience and therefore be used by the Holy Spirit to comfort another person that may be going through the same thing. And so we see this, this awesome, just full circle of, of growth because of trials that have come that are more than we could bear. So if God did give you only what you could handle, then none of that would be true. Then our character wouldn't be built up. Then we would be actually be able to boast in something that, you know what? I can handle this. I can do this. It becomes a self-centered uh, boasting because you're like, oh, it's all about me. I can do this. I can run. I can do this. I can do this, right? And ultimately, God doesn't get the glory because it's only in the crying out to God is when God is glorified because His power is made known. In a person, when you see someone going through some heavy stuff, some heavy tragedy, some some just some hard stuff in life that they're going through, and then you see them and their character, how they're they're being built up and they're patient and they're not angry and they're at peace. It's like that makes the other person say, "Why are you so peaceful? Why are you like this? If I was going through something like that, I would be tore up." And then that's the opportunity. It's only by the grace of God that he gives me that I'm able to endure such hard tribulation. If people are only given what they can handle, then there's no glory to God. There's no building up of our character. There's no faith. Yeah. Because it doesn't require it because you're able to do it without faith. So, so I guess God gives his toughest battles to his toughest soldiers? <laughs> he gives his toughest battles to the weakest. I'm just kidding. We're too blessed to be stressed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this guy. Oh, man, that's hilarious. 
go, go to James chapter one. Whenever you have time to meditate on that, how God uses trials to 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 mold us, to shape us. Even John chapter fifteen, how he says that uh, those who bear fruit, he prunes so that they will bear even more fruit. Pruning is is a cutting cutting off cutting off the old the old ways, old days, and all that stuff. But that's what God uses. He uses trials to to basically send us through the flame, and that we may be pure purified through it. That our, our characters may be molded in shape. Shape. Go to First Peter as well, and, and you'll hear all about that. Romans five as well. The beginning of Romans Romans five that tribulation produces character and character hope and hope endurance and all that fun stuff. So we can scratch that one off the list as well. You know, God only helps those who help themselves. God won't give you more than you can handle. Uh, I guess there's, those aren't true. You know what I mean? So what's our third one for tonight or for this episode? <laughs> Don't touch God's anointed. How dare you? This is, How dare you? <laughs> this is the saying that we usually hear um, probably amongst the more the Pentecostal and, the, <laughs> and or, the charismatic, right? Or you can say the more cultic yeah, congregations. Exactly. Especially, man, in the Latino Christian community. Because it's mostly Pentecost. I'm talking about the Chicano churches, the non-denominational churches who have one senior pastor and everybody else is under him. Because that's the man of God. That's the one who God anointed to be over this whole congregation. And obviously it's God's will because look how many people there are here. Therefore, that person who is closer to God than us we can't talk bad about him. We cannot question his authority because God is communicating directly towards him and God is giving him the vision. So how dare we question, question this man? Because questioning this man is questioning God himself. That's the philosophy behind this. Don't touch God's anointed. And it's one of the most blasphemous, horrendous sayings that I hate, man, with a godly passion about this. You know what I mean? Like, when I hear people say that, dude, I cringe. It's like, dude, you're acting like he's the Pope. And you can't question the Pope because he's closer to God than you. Yeah, the, the simple fact is that we all hear from God. Um, and, and mainly we hear <laughs> within the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so this this one comes from... Um, this one has, I guess, more, it's more of a biblical thing because it is something that we see in scripture, right? Yeah. When David is talking about King Saul, he's talking about when, you know, he had the opportunity, David had the opportunity to kill Saul, right? He was there. He, he could have snuck up right behind him and just sliced him because King Saul was going after David because of jealousy. David had a moment caught Saul off guard in, in a moment of weakness and he was able just to kill him without him knowing. And then, you know, then someone questions him. It's like, why, why did you do it? It's like, I dare not touch God's anointed. And the context of that story or that passage is that God literally put King Saul as king. Like it was a literal thing, right? He was literally anointed to be king. He was chosen by God to be king. And only God was going to remove him. 
Yeah. And so David's in his in his saying, he's saying, I'm not gonna go against the will of God. Because he literally put this man in, in his position. I'm not the one to take him down. God's gonna have to take him down. So if you're using that phrase for your pastor, and then what are you really saying? I'm waiting on God to take this man down. <laughs> That's literally what, 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 if you're using it accurately, if God put this person in, the, in your pastor in a place of authority and he's doing some wicked thing and you're going to say, I dare not touch God's anointed. You're saying, I'm going to let God take this man down because obviously he's up to no good. I mean, if you're willing to say that about your pastor. But... So I, I think break trying to breaking down trying to break down that statement really is well one has to ask himself who is the anointed one of god who can be anointed by god um but and, and and really when we see this we see that god has placed all people in authority in an authoritative position he has placed them whether to to be a blessing um or even just to to bring correction to the people um, but also too we notice in Old Testament when it's talking about the anointed one or God's anointed it, it's it's that type and shadow again because ultimately it was all pointing forward towards Christ being the one and anointed one that was sent from God the sent one uh, that he would come and, and lead his people to the promised land I gotta say this about that. First off, you gotta look at where is this pointed out in scripture? You know, and as just Martin just explained, it was pointed out in the time of, of the kings. When God placed someone as king, anointed him as king, and so David was saying to, to not touch God's anointed. But you gotta you gotta uh, you gotta look at it this way that God was fulfilling his plans also through the kings through through that history that he had there had to be kings right there but that time has already passed and i always just got to be real ain't none of the apostles said don't touch god's anointed <laughs> i'm sorry but it's true uh, I, I like the way uh uh, uh bakum says it uh you know, that was his uh, his old sermons. How he taught, he's going down the line of the apostles, and he's saying that you know, uh, uh, J- J- uh, Paul was beheaded. Uh, there was those uh, disciples crucified upside down. They were persecuted hard and severely. And then at the end, he, he goes, "Oh yeah, Jesus was crucified." So in other words, why won't you think that you will not get 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 persecuted as well? In other words, we can't just do that. Oh, don't. Don't you dare touch God's anointing. He's anointed one and all that. I mean, we're all going to get persecuted and go go through things. But just because there, I mean, even the past, even if if a pastor is a pastor, he's not going to say, don't touch God's anointing. He ain't going to say that. He's going to look at himself humbly and say, I am only God's servant. I mean, so for someone to, to actually say that, that God's anointed, that's very, very cultic right there. That's, that's not even Christianity. Most times when, when this phrase is being used, it's to protect the pastor. Yeah. Um, and, and this is honestly just a cop out for their pastor, for whatever 
um, someone may be trying to correct their pastor about. I know from an experience, this uh, this phrase was used when I was trying to point something out about a brother's pastor and 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 how he was not accurate or he he was saying something falsely about the scripture that was being used, and this brother was saying. I daren't or because I was asking him to to really just question or even just rethink some of the things your pastor says because they don't line up with scripture. And he was saying, I dare not touch the Lord's anointed. That phrase, right? And really, it's just a cop out for us to not have to think about those things um, or at more, more, more towards the, the, the people under that that pastor, right? Within those circles. It's 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 a way it's something just to throw around to protect the pastor from any um, wrong theology, any uh, wrongdoing, because he's the Lord's anointed. I, I dare not question him, because he has this platform and, and he's he's the um, the mouthpiece of God up there on the pulpit. He's being used by God, and so if I were to if I were to try to come against him, I don't want to be um, counted out from the sheep. But the biblical way of doing things mm-hmm. is to have elders who keep the pastor in line yeah. who hold them accountable and there should always be more than one pastor in a the congregation there should be an associate pastor or a co-pastor who is also has duties in pastoring the whole church so you have um the senior pastor maybe or the co-pastor being held accountable by another pastor and by his elders and this is why denominations are important because not only is he accountable within his own congregation amongst his elders, but he's held accountable to this whole uh, organization of believers. This network. This of network other of pastors. believers of other pastors yeah. and other people who are holding him accountable as well. Yeah, and I would even say too, because not not only just for accountability's sake, but also for authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you would see that the pastor would have all authority, right? So no matter, I mean, if, if they don't have elders, more, more, more than certainly they'll have leaders to help them in certain areas of the congregation. But if they don't have the same authority as the pastor, meaning because within a, within a congreg- or a confessional or, or a church that, that is under den- denomination, they'll have elders that also are ruling elders that help make decisions, big decisions for the church, um, and and that and therefore the pastor can't go any. They, exactly. They're at the same level of the pastor when it comes to decisions. Mm-hmm. But therefore, we, his authority yeah, is limited. Exactly, mm-hmm. and so some of these churches, it's the pastor and then everyone else below them, almost as a pyramid, mm-hmm. right? And so it's because of that they make all the decisions. Anything goes. You know, whether it doesn't matter if their leaders or their congregation may vote one way, they they, they will say that they have the, the over their overruling authority and no matter whether you disagree with them, whatever, they're gonna make that final decision nonetheless. It comes down to two forms of governments. I read a book once explaining these two forms of governments. One is a, a bishop type of government mm-hmm. and the second is a Presbyterian type of government. And it explains it how the Presbyterian type of government, it's just how you were saying that there was, there's elders and there's there's people. In other words, the, 
the main or, or the main senior, whatever you want to call him, the pastor cannot do things on his own. He has to be accountable towards these elders, towards these group of leaders that, that are basically co-pastoring the church or co-leading the church. The other type of uh, government was was the bishop, where basically it's just one person leading everything. And so in this book, he was he was basically explaining why he has a bishop type of government. Yeah. And in the book, he explains because when I when I feel led by God to do something, I don't want I don't want people to limit me. Whenever I feel ca- called Damn. by God to do <laughs> something. And therefore, he established his form of church to be a bishop type of government. And I'm just like, that's so wrong right there. So just because the pastor feels led to do something, he doesn't want anybody telling him what to do. But just go for it. That's just wrong. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. Yeah, man. It's, it's wrong because people have to be held accountable. They can't just do, oh, I was led by God to do it, so I'm going to do so. Well, well, everybody's still battling the flesh. That's why you, have to, you need accountability. If you feel led to do something that's that's not a biblical, and someone calls out you out on it, I dare not judge God's. No, stop it. Stop. Stop. stop, stop it's the it. difference between a king and a government, or a, a, a democratic yeah. government, right? Mm-hmm. Because the king, who's going to stop the king? Look at David. King David was in sin. Nobody stopped him. None of his, you know. Right hand men or whatever in in at the palace stopped him from committing sin. He was the king, and then he, and then versus you know the the democratic or the Presbyterian style um, government where it's not one above the others, but instead there's quite a number on the same level, and they're able to make a a, a corporate decision over things. Yeah, so in all reality, man, to be real and. To be honest, the Presbyterian model form of government is a more actual, actual biblical one, because even that Greek word for elder is something that I don't know, but it's, that's where you get the. <laughs> We're still taking classes for Greek and Hebrew. Please forgive us. It's it's uh, it's it's where the word Presbyterian comes from. That's that's why you know we're Pres- called Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Wow. Presbyterians because you know <laughs> I think, I think. the the church order, the church government. You know what I mean? Orale. <laughs> Orale. <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, so that's that, man. The Presbyterian model is a more uh, biblical model there is. So the next one, so we can scratch definitely scratch that one off the list. Like don't don't ever say that. And if someone says that, you ought to rebuke them harshly. It's like that, that meme with Batman and Robin. <laughs> Robin goes, I did not touch it. <laughs> Batman, <laughs> stop. <laughs> oh, man. Stop him with your Bible or something, man. Um, the next one, the prosperity gospel one. God will bless your health and God and you will never be sick. <laughs> I, I, oh, go ahead. Well, why did I think of Kenneth Copeland right now? COVID-19 COVID-19 <laughs> His little back man in the back <laughs> Oh my goodness You know what's crazy though That these, this kind of Prosperity message Is still well and alive today dude Like you, you'll see Whether it's like T.D. Jakes Or Kenneth Copeland or Todd White or Bill Johnson Whoever it is who are all about healing And stuff like that they have so many subscribers on YouTube and so many views for their sermons. 
It's like amazing that people still listen and fall for this stuff. And you see the comments, you know, amen, hallelujah, God healed me from this and this and that. And it's like, it still blows my mind how people still fall for this. And, and it's sad, dude. It really is. Because here, here's another cliche. Never trust a faith healer with glasses. I've never heard of that. That's, I've, heard that's that. not a cliche, but I mean, I've heard that a lot, and it's true. It is true because uh, you're talking about healings and miracles, and this who has glasses on. It's like, okay, why can't you fix your eyesight then? You know what I mean? Ah, uh, <laughs> we must go to Benny Hinn then, because he doesn't have glasses. Bill, uh, Bill, Bill Johnson? Johnson has glasses. He talks about healings all the time, the miraculous and all these kinds of things. And yeah, he's wearing glasses. It's like, um, hello, somebody. Hello, some boy. Don't you think you'd have 2020 vision or something? The Lord mm-hmm. did this on purpose. <laughs> so it, it, it's amazing how, how these promises are, that are so unscriptural, like there's like no even like scriptural background. To even back this up, like at all. So let's look at where they do get it from. Where were they? Isaiah chapter 63, verses 46, 53, verses 46. But this is a whole, you're not even paying attention to the context. But let me just read it. Mm -hmm. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. Oh, that's another one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So I believe that people get... uh, Because I'm talking about, you know, God will bless your health and you will never be sick. Because, hey, God took our sickness on the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. And you can't argue with scripture, can you? I beg to differ. <laughs> so basically what this scripture is talking about is obviously Christ coming, taking on the wrath of God upon himself because he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we see him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. This this all has to do uh, with that that our sins were imputed into Jesus Christ, His righteousness unto us. So at that cross, yes, He did bore our sins. He took our transgressions. He took everything that we, all of our sins, and God poured the wrath of God upon his son Jesus Christ so that we will not have to face wrath on that day but what the word of God is saying that with his by his wounds we are healed it's not talking about hey give your life to Christ and things are going to get better you will never get sick God will bless your health and that's not what it's saying it's it's basically that we have a sickness to each and every one of us have a sickness we have a disease and it is called sin Sin lives is inside of us. And so the cure, the remedy is Jesus Christ, who sets us free from the bondage of sin. And by his wounds, we are healed from that. This is not talking about our physical healing, because this is all ultimately this is going to lead up to the sovereignty of God. 
and 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 a lot of people have have a tough tough time with this because, well, you're Christian, aren't you supposed to? Isn't your house supposed to be blessed? Aren't you supposed to have money? Aren't you? Doesn't God want all good things for you and nothing bad for you? But there's many people, and I'm just I'm not even talking about the Bible right now, but many Christians who have gone through times of sicknesses, who have died from sicknesses. And, and, and I hate it when this is brought up because people will say he didn't have enough faith to believe. Mm, he, didn't, he didn't have his trust in God, and that's why he's carrying this sickness. Please don't. That, that gets me pissed off. That is so, the most yeah. wickedest thing you can say. Yeah. I remember when uh, our sister was um, basically it was, it, was, it was a couple of days before she passed away. But I remember a brother and sister came and they prayed. And well, before they prayed, they were just talking about like, you just have to have faith. You just have to have faith that she will be healed and pray in that. So she can be healed. And then she was praying and she's like, even though they don't have faith, I have faith that you will be healed. And she died. And it's just like, like how, like how much more like, are you gonna continue to believe like by faith? Like, yes, we walk by faith, but even no, no matter how much faith I try to muster up in myself, I can't move the hand of God. And and really, like when it comes down to it, faith as little as a mustard seed, really, he's not talking about you must increase your faith. He's talking about even just the littlest of faith is enough. Because that's 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 the the I guess you'll say just that little that little amount of faith is is basically the the response of the spirit being in you that that you would be called by God because you would have any faith at all and that's something we don't even muster up in the beginning. Yeah, I would say it's not really about the amount of faith you have; it's the object of our faith, right? Yeah, it's the one in whom we put our faith in. If we believe God and what he says, then we know that that thing shall come to pass. So for the person who, I mean, it happens a lot, you know, like a loved one is on their deathbed, right? Mm-hmm. They're dying of cancer. And if you've ever seen someone in their last stages of cancer, it's very hard to see. And it's very sad, you know, Um there's no way that you can pray and fast that that person's going to be healed. Some, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is, you know? I'm not trying to sound like, oh, you know, don't believe and don't have faith. Now, granted, but, there has been some miracles, you know, very few. Actual, we're, not say, yeah, we're not saying that, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that would, be an actual, that would be an actual miracle because if you've seen someone in their last stages of cancer, you know that person is going to die. You know that there's nothing that's going to stop that. And that's where oh, we put our faith in God, saying, Lord, give me peace. Help me to endure this situation. Prepare my heart for when I get the news that this person is finally gone. Like, it's who we put our faith in that is the most important thing. Because if you're just focusing on a temporal um, response, then ultimately our our faith is in the wrong thing because instead of 
Lord, I want this person to, to be healed and that's, that's a good thing. But sometimes we're going to be like, Lord, let your will be done. Just give me peace to endure it. And that's when you give God the glory. And that's when his, his the peace that surpasses all understanding and his powers made known in our weaknesses. Because we go through such tragedies, yet God shows up and we're able to endure and glorify and worship him. And then we're able to be a testimony to others saying, man, the only way I, I was able to get through the death of my loved one is because God made me to endure. Yeah, I think I, I, I personally have a problem with this one because uh, I've been on, other, on, on both sides of this. I've been on the side where I went to someone who was on hospice. They asked me to go pray for them. And, and you know, I just remember being there and I was just telling everybody, just have faith. I wasn't promising anything, but I was just kind of like within my personal stuff. Like, I have the faith to believe she will get healed. I have the faith. That's why I didn't know any better. But I mean, I remember just going through that. And obviously the person, not obviously, but you know, sadly, the person died. I remember just thinking within myself, didn't I have enough faith to believe? I prayed over this person. I believed wholeheartedly. And that, and that made me question some things for me. But, you know, through 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 God's great grace, through sovereignty of God, he, he, he kept me. But on the other side as well, when you're telling people that just have faith and she will get healed, just have faith and the person end up dying, that person is not going to have faith in God at all because you told them something that God did not promise. You told them something that God did not say. But... Um, I mean, just with this topic, uh, Matt Chandler has a sermon jam uh, uh, about you know the, the disciples, you know how, how they were they were going through stuff, and 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 it, it was a joy to them, and uh, and he was saying in that in that sermon jam, having faith in God doesn't doesn't mean that everything goes right, but that He is enough no matter what happens, and that's basically what what it, what it comes down to that that we. We, we do pray for healing. We do seek healing. But at the end of the day, it's just like what you said, Martin, let God's will be done. And we pray for it. We, 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 we seek guidance during that time. But at the, at the end of the day, God is enough no matter what happens. God is sufficient, sufficient as we pointed out earlier, that his grace is sufficient enough for, for all trials through life. Now, some people might look at this and say, well, a Christian shouldn't be sick. A Christian should be healthy. And there's even people on their website that, you know, that their statements of faith and say, we believe that God died on the cross and therefore healing is promised to all believers. I'm just like, dude, stop, 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 you know, dude, it. just stop, stop. It. stop. <laughs> and it actually hardens people to the gospel and to yeah. God himself because you're giving them some false promises. So when that promise, quote unquote, that you gave them doesn't come to pass. They're like, well, why didn't God heal this person? If I did everything that I was supposed to do, why didn't God do what he was supposed to do? And so then it, it hardens people to God. And that's how people become angry at God or stop believing or whatever the case may be. It's because of these prosperity preachers promising the whole world and then yet, yet getting nothing. And the only reason why it keeps, why those circles continue to be big is because um, no matter how much they trace it back their one defense that can't be measured is that they could say that you didn't have enough faith 
Yeah, dude. At the end of the day, and that's why this saying is really the most damaging, probably of the other of wicked, all these. Bro, wicked. Because just like how you mentioned, it hardens people against the gospel. It causes people not only to leave the church, but in an instant, it could cause someone to hate God. Mm-hmm. Because God didn't heal my mother when I needed Him to heal her. I was promised by your people that that she would be healed and she died and so they'll go on to live a life against god uh, and and that's very damaging so man if you know anybody that, that that uses this that preaches it man if i if if there is any reason to stand for the gospel to stand on the word of god it is then to really just come to them and say why do you believe this is true where does scripture say this is true yeah. and show them that it's not the only thing i could think of was is if they try to point to deuteronomy where god lays out the blessings and the curses for being obedient or disobedient to the law and i think we went over this in our jesus series when we were talking about the law and the types and shadows that really because in the blessings for being obedient to the, the whole of the law was that god will bless you he'll prosper you he'll bring you prosperity even using these words um, and that that you'll be more fruitful in your harvest and things like that um, but in all reality every person has failed the law every person is disobedient so therefore we can't even receive that type of blessing but christ because he fulfilled all the law he is the one that has inherited all the blessings of the law and it trickles down to us by faith though we may not receive all of it in full by faith we do receive blessing and, and, and I'm yeah. sorry to say this but I mean you can edit this part out if you want Justin there's some people going to hell because of this what I mean by that is that there's pastors uh, you can't see me right now but I'm using quotation quotations there's pastors or leaders who are taking advantage of people who are sick and are telling them just tithe and you will be healed or they or, or the the weak or the sick are, are are seeking help, and those people that are in that position say, "Well, how much did you tithe? Did you help the church? Wicked just tithe, things. and this will. Ha- I mean, yeah, it, this yeah, this talking about just really, yeah, there's people going to hell. I'm sorry, sorry to say this. Well, Why would he edit that part out? It's a fact. Because I mean, those those that are preaching the word are held at a at a higher accountability. Yep. They'll be judged even more. Yeah, man. So the last and final one, and my personal favorite, is God told me. Dang. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord to me that you are wrong. But anyways, um... Yeah, man. People use this phrase, God told me, God told me, God told me, God told me. Um, I think it's a cop-out for an excuse over their sin or they confuse it with their emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've seen this a lot. People feel a certain way and then they take that as... It's God telling God them. telling them, right? Or when... Um, you're 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 reading a book right let's say you're at the park you're chilling you're reading a book you stop at page 13 and you're walking down 
and all of a sudden you see a 13 on on the corner right and you turn your head and there's a car passes by and the license plate number the last two numbers are 13 and you're like oh god's trying to tell me something and then you're tripping out god's telling me something i need about a bet on number 13. 13 yeah and then you're like i don't know but let me turn to the 13th chapter of whatever book in the bible and let's see what happens and then you read something like whoa god is telling me something it's like calm down god doesn't work that like that and a lot of people say you know they use this scripture my sheep hear my voice and they know me there you go we can hear god's voice audibly oh no 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 <laughs> that, uh, that, it's like it's like that one uh, uh, the TikTok reading all song. the little background. Yeah. Like, no 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 no. <laughs> it's like no 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 no. Um, when Jesus says, "My sheep hear me," and they know me, they hear my voice and they know me, right? Um, we the the. The cross reference is when Jesus sends out the disciples, right? He sends out the apostles and then he goes, if they listen to you, they're listening to me. If they reject you, they are rejecting me because the apostles went out as the first uh, to carry the gospel message, right? The, the Bible wasn't written yet. So all it was really was, was word of mouth. They had to believe what the apostles were saying. And God would demonstrate his miracles through these apostles to verify that they are sent from Jesus himself. So the purpose of miracles, the purpose of, of you know, the apostles being the uh, uh, authorities, because they were literally sent by Jesus himself. And so people say, there you go. Miracles and this and that. But when reality is that the apostles, the people who wrote down scriptures, who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, are writing down the literal, the literal words of God himself. So when we read the scripture, we are hearing from God and we are literally getting his words. So just just in just in Peter's says it like this. If you want to hear God speak read the Bible. If you want to hear and speak out loud, read the Bible out loud. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because God doesn't speak audibly to us. Um, even as much times as maybe we are like doing whatever and we may feel like we hear something talking. Sometimes that's just your own thoughts, just talking your own thoughts. Yeah. Um, but I do want to read from Numbers 12 verse 6. Um, and it goes on to say, and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with, uh, not so with, uh, sorry, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house with him. I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. And so in, in this instant, uh, we, we, we are able to perceive something from God as to how he communicates to his people. 
he communicates he would communicate not to all the people but to prophets in the old testament through dreams and visions um and and in those he would make himself known it wouldn't be vague it wouldn't be like a vague dream of oh i was dreaming that you know i was in a pool swimming and all of a sudden i got pulled under the water and it turned into a skyscraper and i was standing at the top and i was looking at the sun no like he's not trying to speak to you in vague vague dreams no if god is personally trying to speak to you in a dream he will make himself known to you and another thing that we're able to see here is that he only spoke to one person audibly other than jesus christ which was moses out of all the prophets, he only spoke to Moses audibly because he was faithful to him. That's awesome to hear on, on the part of Moses. I didn't even know that. But that's crazy. But even then, we can be rest assured that for us, we most likely won't hear. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not, not most likely. We will 100% not hear audibly the, the words of God coming from God himself. The only way we can, as as Martin said, is that we are to, if we were to read the Bible out loud, then we could hear the words of God. Now, this gives room for people to not follow scripture at all. To basically, I mean, there's people that say, well, why are you limiting God to, to the Bible? <laughs> people, like for real, they say that. They, they say that. And this gives room for people to not follow scripture. But... I mean, just as as you, as you said earlier, that, that all scripture is, is, is breathed out by God. It's literally God speaking to you through his word. And what I notice is that some people who say that God told me, you ain't even reading your word. <laughs> I mean, you ain't even praying. And then all of a sudden God, God can speak to you and like, dude, really? But I mean, I, I do believe that, that we can be led by the spirit. Mm-hmm. I do believe that we can be yeah. led to from a scripture. I mean, Anybody who goes behind the public, they're going to be led by the Spirit of God to preach on this subject. So, so we can be led by the Spirit. I could be led to to point. Uh, I mean, to, for accountability sessions, to point to something like, "Hey, what you're doing is very dangerous because the Word of God says that we're not supposed to do that as brothers and sisters." And I'm telling you, as a brother, Scripture says not to do this. Or we can be encouraged through the Word of God. So what I'm saying is that we can be led by a spirit. I don't want to take that out. And somebody here is like, what do you, what do you mean that God can't speak to me? And, and God God leads me and all that. We can be led by the spirit of God mm-hmm. through his word, through prayer and all that. But but I, I do agree that audibly to hear something from God that is not according to scripture, I, I, I have a really hard time believing that. Now, yeah, yeah, I heard people say, well, you know, God... Like I said, God led me or, or, or God told me to say this. But if they're referring to scripture, okay, I'll be a little bit more lenient on that. But I do have a hard time with people saying God told me. And especially when it comes to like an exact thing. God told me, you, brother, need to open a savings account. <laughs> or, you know, X, Y, and Z. You need to do this very thing in order for God to bless you or, or whatever the outcome they're, they're trying to say. Some people actually be coming to church. God told me you're giving me a hundred dollars. Like God didn't tell me that. What the heck are you talking about? Like, no, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference. Um, let's say there's a homeless man, right? And you see him and you feel compassion and you're like, man, I want to give this person, you know, a sandwich or something. 
um, there's people that would say, you know, God told me to get you a sandwich. Yeah. But in reality, is you're being led by God, the Holy Spirit, to have compassion on this person, which scripture commands us to have compassion on people. So in reality, I mean, you're being led by the Spirit because that's what the Word of God already says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. when people say, God told me this, God told me that, okay, let me open up scripture and see if this is how God operates. If we're getting some new revelation or something new, then we ought to... You you ought to add another page to the Bible, because that's some, this is this is a new revelation, right? And so those words that this person is saying that God told them, if you're saying that this is what God is saying, that it has authority. Mm-hmm. So then, what happens when you say that God says something, and that thing does not come to pass? You're literally a false prophet. Yeah, and and you know what? That brings that second point to this statement right here. There are brothers and sisters that are well-meaning. Yeah. um, That do have, you know, good intentions that are, you know, coming from a a type of humility, right? That maybe they're just mixed up in their words. You know, maybe they just heard this phrase a number of times and they just use it because it's what they know. They don't know how else to express what what has happened in them. It's Christian culture. Yeah. And and so it's, it's not so much to come harshly against people that may use this type of language um but maybe just you know in a gentle way of just being able to show that hey you know what the lord led you to do these things because this is of the lord Mm -hmm. you know this is what scripture calls us as christian believers to do that we are to help the widows um those that are homeless in poverty you know all these things because he has given us a compassion in our heart to be able to do these things um, and maybe they're just mixed up in their, their terminology, you know, saying that the Lord told me to do this. Well, the spirit guided you and led you to do these things. Maybe not audibly telling you to actually do that, but because you seen this happen and you were led by the compassion, the moving of the spirit in your heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time with people saying God told me, but if people say I feel led by spirit or God put it in my heart. All right, cool. You know, or I was reading scripture and, you know, I was led with compassion or something. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah that's cool, you know. Even for that, I don't, I don't be like, oh, you shouldn't say that, brother. No, I don't, I don't be like that or anything. But, I mean, yeah, there's a difference between God directly told me or spirit of God led me or God put it in my heart. You know, that's for yeah. me, that's something different. And, you know, it went, and, and it's crazy because when you use this type of saying, right, when, when people who say this say that God told me, and, and, and they also use the other phrases that we use, right? Um, just about like, don't touch the Lord's anointed. And, and they're in these type of settings. It causes for a lot of dangerous situations where we see these things play out within people on the news, pastors on the news, headline pastors, right? Because, and they would only be headline because they've committed something that was against the Christian religion, against the character of a Christian. Some sin. And, and it's unfortunate because there has been pastors that, that go down this line of saying, God told me you need to do this. Or the scriptures say this. Um, therefore, you need to do this for me. I'm the anointed one of the Lord. I'm the one that, that talks personally with God. And it's unfortunate because this thing does play out. 
um, in the church where pastors abuse the authority given to them um, and they commit such disgusting sins to people who just want to draw closer to God or, or want to be in a right standing with God. And that's where a lot of danger comes in with these type of sayings. And they're going to have a hard price to pay. Very hard. So, yeah, man, I hope this was encouraging, edifying. Um, when you hear these kind of statements, um, you know, with all loving kindness, just kind of be like, you know what, brother, what do you mean by saying this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just see, you know, just just to start the interaction because there definitely needs to something needs to change within mainstream Christianity. You know what I mean? Because there's so much crazy stuff going on. It's, it's crazy, dude. And think about how the world is looking at Christianity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a joke right now. People aren't taking it seriously. And these kind of statements, I mean, people know them. You know what I mean? It's like. They don't mean anything anymore. So when people say them, it's like, man, it's such an empty phrase. Like yeah. it literally doesn't mean anything. You know, it's better let's let's talk scripturally. You know, let's let's quote scripture. Let's um, talk about things that are actual, actually biblical, and have a biblical foundation to them, so that our words can be edifying, and the, whoever hears us speak can actually be built up. And actually, we can point people back to scripture and point people to the feet of the cross so that God can do his work in them. Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole purpose of doing this episode is just bringing these things to light. It's like, man, just, we need to have a deeper uh, Christianity because the, the Christianity that is promoted today and it's so empty. It's so shallow. And it's like, man, there's no there's no source. There's no there's no life to it. It's just it's just another like. You know, self-help, like self-help, motivational, you know, club, you know, and it's like, man. So if you do know a brother or sister that use these things or maybe you yourself use them, uh, question why you use it, you know, ask yourself or even ask your brother or sister, how how can you use this saying? What does this saying even mean? And then even furthermore, where does how can I find this in scripture? Does scripture agree with what you're saying? And then that's how you start digging into the word together as people instead of <laughs> instead of just calling out people saying that's that statement is false, therefore you're false. And <laughs> you start going down this cage stage. You're a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your grandmother. <laughs> wow, grandma. <laughs> I guess this is a call for people too to to just go back to the word of God. Mm-hmm. To really get in get in your scripture, to get in a in the study of the word of God and uh, to no go, not go off of uh, first opinions, chapter one, verse one, <laughs> but read the 66 books of the Bible. Yeah, and that's where, you, where, where God's going to speak to you. Yeah. Amen. So don't forget to hit us reformrasa.com, uh, com. Send us a voicemail. Um, go ahead and you, you can send us a voicemail straight through the website. Click that button on the, on the bottom or even in the description. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, go down to the description. You will see a link that says leave a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to give us a five star review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Anchor. And 
Don't forget to hit up redeempatrickradio.com 24-7 online radio station. Uh, catch us on Facebook and on Instagram. Go ahead and hit us up. Um, and and if you've endured this long, don't forget, we have Tuesday night Bible studies. Go ahead and hit us up. And if you want to get more info on that, if you live in the Orange County area, you can hit us up and we'll give you more details on that. And so, man, we got some good stuff coming uh, for season three. Next week is going to be our last episode of the season. Yeah, our, our season two finale. Um, and then hopefully in that episode, we'll be able to just share what our plans are for season three what we have going on in the background because we find ourselves a a lot more busier um than we did in the beginning of season two um so we thank you guys all of you who support us who continue to listen to us and share um our posts and even just engage with us we appreciate you i encourage anyone that has not done so to to you know just engage with us you know share us to a friend, a coworker, a brother, or sister in the Lord, that they too may be edified if you find this edifying. Um, and that you would just message us, hit us up, and and let us know how you have been edified by our episodes. Please, please, please send a voicemail. We want to put you on the season finale. We want to put you mm. on. We want to put you on the last episode of season two. So send those those voicemails of how you've been encouraged through this or how this podcast has edified you or what's going on. Just let send us a voicemail. We'll put it on for the for the last last episode of the season. Yeah, let, let's there do that. Go. How about that? For for from now until a week from this episode or five days from or I don't know. Whenever we put it up. <laughs> when, show when, show when, your love yeah. and support, please. Yeah, so when this episode drops, if you want to be featured in our season finale, season two finale episode where we play your voicemail, leave us a voicemail from now until we record then. So I'll just say five days from this episode uh, being put out. Um, yeah. So yeah, just go ahead and do that. We'll play you in our season finale. So if you want to be podcast famous throughout the internet and worldwide, Go ahead and leave a voicemail, and we will put you on. Because remember, Reformed Raza is not just a podcast, it's a movement. Ooh, Join the like that. Simon. <laughs> and don't forget, we do this to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Grow as we grow. Later, y'all. Rato, rato. <laughs> Peace. This is the way. Remember, This is for the rasa. Rasa, rasa, rasa. This is for the rasa.